Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is best-selling novelist Jamie Beck, author of the new novel, For All She Knows. Jamie, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Jeff. I'm glad to be here. Sure. Well, if someone hasn't heard about your new novel yet, how would you describe For All She Knows? Um, Well, I guess I could give you a one-sentence tagline, which would be something like, um, two friends and mothers uh, have, have to learn to forgive each other for mistakes made when a teen party goes awry. It's basically a story about two friends with differing parenting styles and um, deals with bullying and teen drinking and the risky behavior that our teens engage in and how we as parents are navigating that landscape right now in our country. And do you remember the original idea or impetus that led you to write for all she knows? Um, well, I have two teenagers, so you know <laughs> it's been on my mind. And obviously, nationally in the news, we see what's happening on college campuses with teenagers getting injured or dying um, at fraternity parties and such. And in my own town, unfortunately, in the past five years, there have been a number of parties where teenagers have been hurt either intentionally or unintentionally, and also parents who have been arrested for hosting these parties. So as I was watching this happen and trying to keep my own children safe, and I have children who are very social and want to be part of everything going on. So, you know, I I wasn't fortunate to have those kids who are happy to sort of stay at home and focus on (laughs) academics. So, um, you know, just and and my husband and I don't always agree on these exactly how to handle these things either. So there were just so many things going on within my own friend group, within my own marriage, within our community and the, the country. It felt like a conversation that I wanted to start. And so I wrote the book, um, setting it up so that everyone makes one mistake, but no one person is fully to blame for what happens so that it's not preachy and it's not you know, this is the right way and this is the wrong way, but really hoping to start a conversation among parents that we might all gather together and find some way to, to, you know, reduce the risk that our kids face right now. Well, as you mentioned, parenting is such a personal choice um, and decision. How do, how do parents navigate something with such potential consequences as teenage drinking? It's really tough because like I said, I have a tight friend group of, say, seven women in my town, and everyone has a different opinion on this. Some are very permissive. Some are very strict. Some fall in the center. My husband and I, um, I'm more strict. He's more permissive. He grew up in a very permissive environment, so he thinks that's the way to go, and I grew up in a strict one. So I think we're feeling our way. I think one of the key things I would say, looking back, is just to have good communication among the parents of your children's friends so that you don't get blindsided when one of their parents hosts a a party and serves your child alcohol without asking you first, if you're okay with that and things like that, like just talking openly about your expectations, talking to your children. And then of course we do have to make some compromises along. I mean, I guess we don't have to, but I chose to make some compromises along the way. you know, for the sake of my marriage, for the sake of just (laughs) peace in the household. 
you know, trying to trying to hit that place where it felt safe enough, which <laughs> is a really uh, hard thing for me to say. But you know, I guess it, it is it is personal, and and every parent has that right to make those choices for their family. Some some decisions bleed over though into other families, and that's where it gets tricky. Sure. And as you did, as you have pointed out, I mean, this obviously is a novel, but it's tackling a, a, a subject that is, um, you know, part of our national conversation about uh, teenage drinking. As, as you said, there have been incidents where parents have been arrested for hosting a party where there was teenage drinking involved. Um, I'm curious, uh, did you do any kind of research uh, for the novel of looking into this topic? I did a lot of research and actually these books are set, this is part of a series of books that are set in a fictional town in Maryland. And Maryland has a very unique law. Only five states follow um, the way that it deals with negligence laws. And um, so that changed my plot uh, part of it because I, I'm a, I used to be a lawyer and um I thought I knew what the law would be. And then as I got into Maryland law, I saw that it was different. But I did research. I had an orthopedic surgeon help me with the injury of the child who has the spinal injury. I had um, a police officer and two uh, personal injury lawyers um, and defense lawyers help me make sure I was getting the legal parts you know, correct enough for fiction, obviously, you know, in a story, it's never perfect because the timelines and stuff have to be crunched and and so forth. But I did do a fair amount of research, both on the injury and on the um, legal side. And I used to volunteer at a public health organization. And it, when I was involved with them years ago, I had learned a lot of statistics about the effect of drinking at the age of 14 versus 19 and so forth on your brain, on your likelihood for alcohol dependence later and so forth. So some of the statistics and things that are mentioned, you know, in dialogue in the book are from prior experience and just general knowledge uh, on the topic. So what was your original writing journey that led you to writing and getting your very first novel published? <laughs> A long and twisted path, but um, <laughs> You know, when I was young, I wanted to write for film or TV. I loved dramatic movies and shows, but my parents were not very supportive of artistic careers. So I became a lawyer. And um, but I was very lucky when my when I had my first child, I was in a position where I could choose to stay home, which I did. And then I had another child. And then after a few years of being at home, I was sort of you know, itchy to do something, but I didn't want to go back to being a lawyer. So I thought, well, why don't I try to write a book? So I wrote my first manuscript in secret. I didn't tell anyone in case I didn't finish. And, um, and once I finished it, then I, I went and tried to learn like, well, what am I, you know, how is this supposed to work? Or what is the craft? What are the next steps and so forth? I did it backwards, but that really worked for me because had I tried to do craft things first, I probably would have been intimidated and thought I couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that manuscript is under the bed and we'll never see the light <laughs> of day. But that was what got me excited about it and made me feel like I could learn it, you know. Um, and then I wrote, it took me three, it, my third manuscript got me my agent. And then, you know, my agent eventually, you know, we, we then got into publishing and so forth like that. So, um, 
yeah. So it was, you know, it was a lot of rejection, like, like a lot of people and a lot of learning and it's constantly learning, right? I think we, every book is a new um, adventure and it's the best book you can write at that point in your career, you know? So, um, but I've thoroughly enjoyed it. You know, I started in romance and have gradually slowly shifted over to women's fiction. So, um, you know, it's, it's all good. I've, I've enjoyed the ride. I've been very blessed. And, um, so I'm very grateful. Well, you, you have written many novels and um, bestsellers as well. I'm wondering, has your writing process changed from that first novel manuscript to when you're working on a novel now? For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Yes, in, in a couple of ways, because the earliest manuscripts um, were written, obviously not on a deadline, and um, with more joy and less cynicism, you know, and um, less input from editors and age, you know, there was just a, I think there was a difference in my spirit when I wrote those early books. And then once you, you know, once you're under contract and you have deadlines and you're trying to do a lot of things at one time, I had to get a lot more um, disciplined and plot. I, I plotted more as I've gotten more into it than I, in the beginning, I kind of felt my way along the spine of a story. Now I tend to try to kind of plot out chapter by chapter, even if it's a one line sentence, like this has to happen, this has to happen, just so that I know where I'm going so that I can hit my deadlines. And that plotting that you just mentioned, do you sit down and do that at at the beginning before you start, or do you um, kind of get into it and then sit down and plot? What What's kind of the, the nuts I, and bolts there? I actually am lucky. I have some plotting partners. So we tend to go away three times a year and help each other, like think through next books. And so I usually arrive at those weekends with a, a germ of an idea or a character um, or a question, a theme, you know, basically that, like I'll have a theme that I want to talk about, a, a character that I'm kind of fleshing out and maybe like the impetus, the inciting incident, what if blank? And then we will work together as a group um, and start throwing out ideas for how to, you know, best bring that theme to the, you know, to the fore of the story. And, and then I'll, from that conversation, I will write out sort of like a synopsis in my head of, you know, what has to happen. And often though, I'll get 60% into the manuscript and then realize that what we came up with a few months ago doesn't work so well as I've gotten to know the characters better and gotten into the story more. And so I'm not always wedded to it, but at least it gets me in quickly and I can kind of, you know, run towards that finish line with that messy first draft and everything can be fixed in revisions. <laughs> <laughs> so given what you just said, it sounds like uh, when you're kind of 
in the end stages of finishing up a manuscript, you already have in your mind um, kind of the plot and you're thinking about the next one. Is that correct? Yes, because usually when, because we meet frequently enough, I'm, you know, pr- probably finishing a manuscript when I'm already starting to plot the next one. Gotcha. Um, just, and again, I, at one point in my career was having to write three books a year. So I really had no no leeway for rest, you know? So I had to always be kind of planning ahead. Now I'm, I think this is my last year where I have two releases. And after this, I'm down to one book a year, which um, I think I needed. I was feeling, you know, creatively challenged. Right, right. <laughs> so, so what writing advice would you offer for those who are kind of at the beginning of their journey and starting to work on their own stories or novels? Oh my gosh, there's so many things, right? And it really is sometimes <laughs> it really comes down to the personality of the writer too sure. because it depends on the strengths or, you know, challenges of in, any individual writer. But but primarily I would say that um everyone can do this. You just have to commit to it and and I would say block out the noise. Don't do it because you think you want to be a bestseller or because you want to you have to do it for the love of the story. I, I often think that the best books are the books that try to have a theme and don't just rely on tropes or like a big plot twist or, you know, like something, something about the plot. That's all important. But to me, the, the books that will resonate the most are the ones that focus on characters and like universal themes that, you know, people relate to. And um, I would say also, you know, like I said at the beginning, I'm always learning. I never turn down opportunities to go to good workshops, to learn from other writers, writers who are much more skilled than I am. Um, and, and being polite within the industry because it's a small industry (laughs) (laughs) and, you know, I've seen some newbies come in and be very kind of arrogant or whatever about their talent. And even if you are super talented, that's great. But, you know, there's just a certain, it's just like an office, you know, you wouldn't walk into an office and be rude or be arrogant or whatever. So don't do that either. It's a small universe of, of writers and it quickly gets around. So. Sure. So what novels or nonfiction books have you read recently that you enjoyed? Um, well, I'm lucky because I, I get to read a lot of uh, different writers releases before they come out. So but one that is out already that I just finished recently, which was a super um, lovely read. It was called Float Plan, and it's kind of a women's fictiony romance novel. It's really about grief. The premise is that um, her fiance committed suicide, and it's almost the year anniversary. And they were supposed to take his boat and sail the Caribbean. So she's going to take this journey on her own. And of course she does that, but she needs help and she meets a guy. And, and so the story is about coming out of grief, but it's got, it's just the writing to me is very clean and deliberate. And it was a very uplifting story. So I was in the mood for that. Um, I also just read Barbara O'Neill's upcoming Write My Name Across the Sky, which is a gorgeous women's fiction novel. Um, you know, it's sister story, but it's also a multi-generational story and it's got a little mystery in it and, uh, you know, all the women's fiction elements. It's excellent. So I recommend that. Those are the last two that I've read. 
That's great. So are you working on a new novel now? I am. I'm, um, I don't like to talk about them when I'm That's sort fine. of at this stage, but it's, it's a, a little bit lighter. My last two books have been kind of heavy topics with teen anxiety and cutting and then this with the teen drinking injury. And then the book that's coming out in September is slightly lighter, but this one I'm working on, I'm trying to stretch myself and do a little bit of humor, but it's basically two neighbors um, that are about you know 15 years age different. So an empty nester who's trying to take this new young neighbor under her wing and, and how that goes wrong. So that's it, great. it's a little bit fun. Well, where can people find you online if they want to learn more about you and your novels? Uh, everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a website, obviously, which is my name, jamiebeck.com. I'm on Facebook at Jamie Beck Books. I'm on Instagram and Twitter at writer Jamie Beck. Um, and the, you know, those are pretty much where I'm most active. Um, I'm on Goodreads, obviously, and people can follow me on Amazon as well. So they get notices of new releases and, and so forth. I do recommend a lot of books. So if people like to get recommendations from authors, if they follow me on Goodreads or BookBub, whenever I, I don't recommend every book I read, but when I like a book, I'll put up a, a short review and a recommendation. So um, that's another way to kind of engage. That's great. Well, again, we've been speaking with best-selling writer Jamie Beck, author of the new novel, For All She Knows. The novel is on sale now, so go buy a copy. And Jamie, thanks for doing this interview. Sure. Thank you for having me. Great. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.